It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back into the Illini Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Joey Wagner. I'm back after a week off. Uh, got to Minnesota, Wisconsin for a little bit with the family and uh, getting geared up for the start of training camps. We will continue our Illini Enquirer season position previews on the podcast. I got five, six questions for the offensive line, a position uh, I hold dear. I know Joey's been getting into the further he gets into covering Illinois as well, because it's fascinating. This is where a lot of big 10 games have been won and lost. And for Illinois for a long time, they lost games, but I do give lovey Smith some credit, Joey, because he recruited some good offensive linemen in the class of 2017, but most of them, besides Alex Falczewski, have now moved on. And now we get a revamp of the offensive line, one of the most intriguing storylines of this season. And uh, Falczewski back, Julian Pearl back, but a lot of newcomers. And uh, Brett Bielema, Bart Miller, one of the biggest things they've done, I think, through two years is kind of reload at this position. Well, this probably won't see their whole offensive line for, for another year or two, but this obviously is... What Brett Buma hopes is an identity moving forward as the offensive line in a group that was pretty solid last year. Yeah, Jeremy, there's so much intrigue because I think there's the, the two guard positions. I know we'll, we're going to get into all of this. The biggest intrigue for me, and I feel like I've like a broken record over the course of the last month and a half, two months, there is so much versatility on this line. And I, for whatever reason, maybe it's, it's not as interesting as I find it. I find it fascinating everybody safe for probably Josh Cruz, right? Maybe Barlow has positional flexibility, whether it be center guard, guard tackle that like sets so many different puzzle pieces on the table. And luckily for us this year, because Palczewski's back and Pearl's back, I feel like we have a pretty good grip on what that's going to look like. But as I look forward, like, oh, what is this going to be like in two years where there's so many new phases? Like, okay, he could be a guard. He could be a tackle. Like, it's just such an interesting subplot to the whole offensive line discussion. Yeah, I think Pauchescu is a guy who always had some positional versatility, played guard early in his career. To be honest with you, I think it's his best position at the next level, but certainly has been a very good right tackle for Illinois for what Illinois needs. And, and I do think we need to go back because the offensive line last year was a relative strength of the offense, right? Offensive line and running back because you ran the ball extremely, extremely well last year. The passing uh, attack was not very good. And, and the pass blocking wasn't very good. I think pro football focus had Illinois in the nineties while at uh, they had top 15 rushing run blocking group, which includes wide receivers, tight ends as well. I want to give them some credit there, but you know, this is a group that had a couple really good players. I thought Vidarian Lowe was one of the better left tackles in the big 10 last year. Doug Kramer certainly was one of the best centers in what was a great center league last year. When you have Tyler Lindebaum, uh, Michael Schmitz from uh, Minnesota, this is a really good center group and Doug Kramer was one of the best. Both of those guys get drafted. So certainly, Joey, it was a pretty good position group. 
but certainly they had some struggles at guard. Blake Gerasati didn't have a great year and got replaced in the starting lineup by Jack Bedovinak. I thought Julian Pearl had some ups and downs. I thought he played better at tackle than guard. Palczewski played better at guard than tackle, uh, given he was coming off the injury. Uh, I thought it was a solid group. I didn't think it was a, a great group for the Big Ten, specifically the Big Ten West, but certainly, again, relative to the rest of the offense, I thought it was a pretty good group. Yeah. Isn't it, you know, maybe it wasn't the, the best offensive line group. That, that experience, like, I think that experience mattered. When you look at a Doug Kramer, Alex Falczewski, Darian Lowe, like, Alex Falczewski said as much in the spring. He's like, I wasn't 100% who I am, but I got by because, basically, because he was 17 years old and played in the, the Big Ten or just turned 18, whatever the case was. He's He's got so many snaps built up, like, that helped him get through that. I, I do think Bedovinak probably gets overlooked a little bit for how well he played towards the end of the year. Uh, you want the tallest guard, the biggest guy, but man, he was a he was pretty good in the run game. And like, I just feel like the conversation understandably and justifiably goes to the three guys who have been around forever, but man, he was pretty good down the stretch for them. Yeah, I, you know, I don't take pro football focus. Sometimes I disagree with them when I watch film. Other times I think they're pretty on the money. But they have Bedovinak, um, eighth among the offensive players, but among players who had 100 or more snaps, uh, he was only behind Chase Brown, Vidarian Lowe, Palcheski, McCray. So he's fifth among rotational or starting caliber players in pro football focus grades. So I thought he was really good. I thought he kind of struggled when he got into the starting lineup, Joey, but then he really hit his stride late in the season. So I thought he was one of the best transfers uh, on the team. Everyone talked about CJ Hart for this three quarters, but Dovinak for the final portion of the season, which remember was Illinois' best portion of the season. <laughs> He was very good. So I do think he kind of gets overlooked. And someone asked me in my last mailbag, if I could have one offensive player back who would have a, a, an extra year of eligibility, who would it be? I assume Lowe and Kramer are an option because they were drafted. <laughs> I went with Bedovinak because I think having him at center or guard this year would be a pretty good thing for them. So I do think people might have overseen, overlooked that or not seen that Bedovinak was very good. So let's start off the questions here, Joey. The number one question is going into the off season. I think we had offensive line as one of the biggest question marks for this team. I think they've done enough this off season to make it look a little better and make you feel better about the offensive line. But after losing two stalwarts to the NFL, losing Bedovinak and other starter to graduation, why wouldn't this group take a step back? Give me your reason or reasons. You don't think this group would take a step back. Because you're you're plugging in two guys who, who look like Big Ten offensive linemen. I mean, you think two guys are they're going to be in that conversation for uh, those two guard spots in uh, Isaiah Adams and in Zai Chrysler, and you get Jordan Slaughter back. So those are to me, Jeremy. Those are the three guys figuring out who's starting at guard. Then I think that is maybe I mean definitely not what we would expect before that we figured out that they were landing. Adams and Chrisley, we thought, oh my gosh, who are you going to have to go to Zach Barlow, who played pretty well, but is still a redshirt freshman? What what are you going to do? And I, I think, Jeremy, they also solidified, I think, and now we pointed this out so much that people are probably tired of us hearing it. We don't know. We haven't been in. We can't see anything. We see 15 minutes of almost nothingness. But if Alex Pilstrom 
can play center to a level that is just passable in the Big Ten, that is so important to provide a bridge year for some of those younger guys to get in there before they get their shot. So I, I think they brought in a nice combination of long-term with the five high school kids and the short-term slash medium-term with, with the two junior college transfers. I think the two reasons this offensive line could be as good as last year certainly is an experience, right? I mean, Pearl and Palcheski are the most experienced guys. Pilstrom's got a little bit. But you lose tons of experience. I do expect some growing pains out of this group. But the two reasons I have are you're bigger. You're, you're simply bigger offensive line. You're starting to look like a Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois during the Zook era offensive line, right? I think Illinois has been undersized at a lot of positions at this group. It didn't matter for Doug Kramer, right? Um, but I do think when you have a 6'1 or 6'2 guard, right, it, it can matter. Padovanak, Jarasati were undersized guys. To a certain extent, Kendrick Green was, but it didn't matter because he was so talented, so strong, so athletic. But you're starting to get 6'5", 300 to 320 across the offensive line. Like Pilstrom is a big center, right? Um, Zy Chrysler at 6'6", 330 pounds or 350 at guard. That's a huge guard. And you, you want guys who are big in the Big Ten because they're going up against guys who are huge on defensive lines in the big 10. So I think Brett Bielma at the beginning of camp didn't want to like slander any of the guys like Bedovanak or Kramer, but they made it a point to get a lot bigger up front, right? Like I don't see them recruiting a lot of Josh Cruz size guys in the future. Uh, I th they want to get bigger. Joey Okla is probably about as small as they want to get. And Joey's what? Six, three, six, four, 310 pounds. So I think you're going to see that moving forward. Um, and the other part is I just feel better about the two deep here. They're deeper on the offensive line last year, Joey, they probably went six deep and then you got to bar 11 recruits, right? Two freshmen. Um, if, if there were more injuries up front last year, Illinois would have been in a world of pain. Like Pilstrom was the sixth guy maybe. And then Barlev and Kroots. Imagine if that Vidarian uh, low injury at Penn state was yep. more than just, I, I think it was only a, the rest of that game. It was not very long. Like imagine had that been two games. Like we might be having a different discussion over those games. Pilstrom might've started a tackle if that happened. Right. Like that, that's potentially what could happen. Or it would have been Pearl and Palcheski at the tackles. And Palcheski wasn't that great at tackle last year coming off the injury. And then you move Pilstrom inside to guard. So it, it just wasn't a very deep group. So I think you're getting more competition. You're getting deeper. But when like Barlev is starting to be your eighth guy, right? Kruitz, maybe your ninth guy. Hunter Whitenack is going to be in the competition for two deep instead of having to be the eighth guy. Right, I, I think you feel pretty good uh, about depth moving forward with this group, at least for this season. And Palcheski coming back is certainly huge for that um, because Palcheski coming back maybe gives Chrysler a little bit more opportunity to work his way in. Maybe gives Adams a chance to play guard before he has to be the blindside tackle uh, and, and maybe just allows a guy like Barlev another year to develop. Like, I think that's really important. So they're getting bigger. They're getting deeper up front. They're just really inexperienced. All right. Or do you want to build off that? Yeah, I just, I just feel like there's, 
more insurance. Now, I don't know how good the insurance policies they have are in terms of like what happens if Jordan Slaughter isn't, you know, if he, if there's growing pains for him, because he still hasn't played significant minutes. What if Isaiah Adams or Zai Chrysler aren't where you feel like you thought they were going to? Like, I just feel like there's a little bit more slowly, but surely more insurance policies if those aren't the case, which as you mentioned, Jeremy, like that hasn't been the case, dude. That just has not been the case. And now maybe those, maybe it's all, none of the insurance policies are any good. We don't, we don't know, but I, you got more bites at the apple. Is that what Brad Underwood likes to say? Yeah. Uh, and I also, I also want to mention Dylan Davis as another guy, a uh, potential yeah, competitive point. center gives you a little bit more depth. Uh, a guy who played at the FCS level, started a few games there, was a three-star recruit as a defensive lineman, decided to go uh, a lower level school in Furman rather than go to, to Illinois or another program that he had a power five offer from. So he, he's worth mentioning as well. All right. Question number two, Joey, what does Alex Pacheski's return mean for this group? It means a lot. It means you got a right tackle who's played. I'd look, Jeremy, it's like more than 3,000 snaps he's going into this season with. That is bonkers. I mean, this dude has played so much football. It's unreal. And and I think it's not just his return, which is a big deal. It's, as, as far as we understand it, his healthy return and his return back to full health, which to him, he, he gave us Alex Palczewski, who doesn't always give us the media answers, which is why we like to talk to him with regard to his knee and him coming back. We got a lot of media answers from him last year, which I get. We, as we've gotten away from that, he's been a lot more open that like that just wasn't physically where he needed to be. So I think as you get closer to that, and it was a pitch for him to come back and they're going to help get him back physically to where he needs to be at the next level. That factors into a healthy Alex Palczewski, an experienced Alex Palczewski. And again, you're not, as you mentioned, you're not relying on two junior college guys who have never played in the big 10 to go step out there at right tackle. Yeah, Joey, we talk about that 2018 group and that all five of those guys on the offensive line could get drafted, right? Alec Reddy, Kendra Green, you just said Kramer and Lowe. Back in 2018, the highest-rated offensive lineman per, per pro football focus was not Allegretti, it was not Green, it was not Kramer, it was not Lowe. It was Palczewski. Coming off that year, I thought he was the best NFL prospect among that group because he's long, he's strong, he's mean, he's nasty, he's got leadership qualities. I thought he had the potential to play tackle. He's probably a better guard prospect, though, so I thought that could help him at the next level. Then 2019, he was still very good. Uh, Kendrick Green obviously took a, a big leap that year. Um, Kramer was really good that year. And then 2020, he has the injury, and it all sets him back. Kendrick Green's awesome. Lowe and, and Kramer certainly were very good last year. But Alex Palczewski coming off that injury still was one of the highest rated, graded players on the team, on the offense last year, behind only of the starters, Chase Brown and Vidarian Lowe and pro football focus had him at a 44.9 pass block, Joey. He was awful in pass blocking for the most part, which is why he got moved into guard, but he was an unbelievable run blocker. 89. He just, just crushes people. He's mean. He's nasty. He's physical. He's a man among boys at times. Right. And now he really is <laughs> yeah. in the sixth year of college. So 
they could not have been higher on him after the spring. Like Bart Miller started to say, like, basically, we see the real Alex Palcheski now, and it's really, really good. You and I kind of expected him to stay at guard. Julian Pearl plays tackle. You know, Isaiah Adams plays left tackle. Let Palcheski eat at guard. It might be his best thing. They seem to be really confident with him at tackle, which is important, right? Being on being on an island, he'll get chip help from the tight ends a lot of times too to help him there. I still think his best pro position is guard, but if we're going to see a fully healthy Alex Palczewski, he could be along with Chase Brown and Isaiah Williams, the among the best offensive players on this team. And knowing that experience, knowing the talent, knowing he could be an NFL prospect if he's healthy, Joey, that's massive for a group that has so many question marks outside of Julian Pearl, really. Yeah. And to the point is, you know, I, I'm with you. We both talked a lot before spring that, okay, we think he'll stay at guard. Cause I think there was interest in having Julian Pearl actually play one position for like more than four seconds of his life, but they, they're moving him over to like, but look, if Palcheski struggles again and pass block, there's options like that's again, it goes back to our earlier conversation is okay. Could you, you know, you could kick Adams or Chrysler or there's a little bit of uh, what word am I looking for? I, rearranging. God, I couldn't think of rearranging. Uh, there's a little more rearranging you can do there. So I think that matters too when you're talking about him. But yeah, man, I mean, that and beyond that, the trickle down effect, there's like maybe this is overstated, but Alex Palcheski had Nick Allegretti. Like, dude, you still can't talk to like, many members of that 2018 team without being like, Oh, you know, Nikki did this or Nikki did that. Now you kind of have Palcheski being that for these Bielema, Bart Miller guys, the Joey Oakless, Hunter White next, like that's probably, well, it's not going to matter on the field this year, but as you get further along and you have in two years of Joey Oakless saying, you know, I learned from Alex Palcheski back like that matters. And like, you've got to, I'm not saying Alex Pilstrom or I'm not saying Julian Pearl or Jordan, Jordan Slaughter couldn't do that. Like, as much as we hear about Nick Allegretti, you still have, like, your quote-unquote a call away from Nick, right, with Alec, or Alex, and that, that matters. Yeah, I have no doubt that Palcheski is the alpha male of that group, right? Like, there, there's, there's a little doubt of that. All right, I, I do want to mention, because we don't have a specific question for him, Julian Pearl. I thought last year was solid. I thought he had some ups and downs. I thought he was far better at tackle than guard. Um, so I, I think you'll even look at the PFF grades at guard, not so great. They move him to tackle with Palcheski inside both their seasons kind of flipped right there. Uh, I thought he was really good. I think he's got as high of a ceiling on this offensive line when it comes to NFL prospects than maybe anybody. Cause he's so long, Joey. Um, he's, he's, he's maybe not the most physical guy when you compare him to, you know, Palcheski and all that but he was a pretty good run blocker. When he gets out on the edge, he's really good. And he's certainly very athletic, uh, good feet for a guy, his size. So despite, you know, having bigger guys this year, I think Isaiah Adams and Julian Pearl for guys who are as big as they are certainly can move well. So I think Julian Pearl has a potential leap in him. Um, you know, last year I thought he kind of established himself as a good big 10 starter. We saw flashes of it when he had to replace Palcheski. I think Julian Pearl is one of those guys that's like by the end of the year, oh, is he, is he NFL prospect level good? Because he's in his fifth year. I think we've got to remember that with him. Yeah, and I think playing the same – like if he plays 12 or if you want to be optimistic, 13 games at one position, dude, he has not done that. 
Like last year is his most meaningful playing time. He got in a little bit in that 2020 year, especially when uh, Palcheski went down at Rutgers. But to play one position and you're not going from guard to tackle. And like we wondered a lot last year before the move. And we asked like, hey, is there any thought to do this? Do you not think they were wondering as well? Like, man, I'm going to get kicked kicked out to tackle and to go like just to have one thing and you can learn and just hey i am the left tackle this year period like i think that is is super important for him but yeah i i think he could be a guy who takes that leap he wasn't always this big by the way it's always fun to like when you talk about him to remember the edge rusher slash defensive lineman he was when he came in and, and as long as he stays away from basketball right that was uh yeah. Missed some time in the spring playing basketball. The coaching staff, they were joking, I think, on social media about it, but I don't know how how uh how, Can you, how much they believe those were jokes. Yeah, for those that, that don't know, he broke his hand playing uh, basketball. Digit, yeah. yeah, broke his hand finger playing basketball. Uh, can you imagine making that call to Brett Bielma? Um, I, I can't, I, I can't imagine Brett Bielma. I mean, yes, you joke about it. You give him crap about it afterwards. I can't imagine that was a fun phone call, uh, but it did cost him right. Most of the spring, like he was still able to mirror, do some things. We had a big club on his hand. Certainly could do some stuff, but um, guy that experienced, you're not as concerned about it. If that were somebody right. else, Hillstrom, uh, I think that would have been pretty big for him, but uh, at least it's Julian Pearl. Somebody has got a lot of experience that they feel like you can count on, but it is lost reps. And that's, that's costly. And I don't think he'll be playing basketball for a while. Are you hoping that call goes to voicemail? If you make it, are you hoping like, Oh my God, I hope he's like eating dinner or something and his phone's in the other room. Or do you want to talk straight up? You just want to get that over with. <laughs> I mean, because that's going to be hanging over your head. You're worried about what he's, I'd just rather hear it. It's like, you know, and you got to tell your parents something terrible. It's like, get it over with, take, take the punishment and move on. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, question number three. Are Alex Postrom and Jordan Slaughter ready to be starters? Well, I think you really need Pilstrom to be. Like, I... We'll see. We I, I do sometimes forget about Dylan Davis, but I man, I think you really, really need Pilstrom to be your center this year. I think that matters so much in the long scheme of things where in the immediate, when you're not rolling out a redshirt freshman and Josh Kroots, if that's who they go to, or obviously Dylan Davis, but he just doesn't have power five experience either, FBS experience. Uh and I think I think Slaughter may well have been one of the starting guards a year ago. 
had he not gotten rolled up on and broke his ankle. But again, like it's the same thing we talked about. We talked about some of these other positions and we, I think so, but I don't have basis to say for sure because we just haven't seen that being the expectation out of him to go out there because he was behind all those offensive lines. And there was a year that it kind of felt like was his year to jump in there. He broke his ankle in training camp, but I think so. I, I cautiously, yeah, cautiously think both of them are, but I think you probably really need pills from to be. Yeah, I mean, the answers will find out this fall, right? Um, I, I will say that Alex Postrum's been a serviceable rotation player, right? I, I think two years ago, he had to fill in with all that COVID, um, knocked out the most of the offensive line. And then you had you know him play last year, started some games, got into some games. I thought he was solid against Big Ten players, played trailed off a little bit like well against charlotte he was really good utsa was pretty good um but you know some of those big 10 teams he didn't play quite as well but uh, i think alex pilstrom the staff seems pretty high on him because i thought center was a position that they were going to address in the portal they looked at it they certainly did dylan davis is coming in but they had potential to add somebody who could start right away who was at a power five level that could transfer in right away like there's a kid at miami they looked at they decided not to pursue it because of what they saw from Pilstrom in the spring. So somebody who's been in the system, somebody who's shown he can be a solid player. Uh, they think he's got another step in him. I think the key for Pilstrom is he's big enough. I think he's strong enough at this point. I think he's good enough. Uh, is he confident enough? That's always been, and Alex has talked about this himself. The staff has talked about it. Is he confident? And I think now Joey, that, He's not the sixth, seventh guy, just kind of like, I'm a fourth walk-on tight end. I, I belong here. I think he knows he belongs there. Plus, he's one of the veterans now. He's one of the old guys there. So he's no longer this like, am I, do I belong here stage? He does belong there. And as long as he you know, is confident enough, vocal enough, I think he can be a key piece of this offensive line. I don't think you're expecting Doug Kramer, right? but you're expecting just a solid center. If you can have a solid center as a vocal leader, it's a big difference playing center too than guard or tackle where he's played before uh, because you get a lot of help there, right? Um, you get a lot of help chipping, double teaming, all of that. So uh, I think he's capable. I just think he's got to be confident enough and, and get the reps early in the season. I think, you know, Wyoming, important game to gain some confidence and show what he can do. I think something that dive into a little bit more of when camp starts is Bart Miller has said a few times that they put a lot on centers. I mean, at, at the line, like that's, I know that's not like super uncommon among offensive line, but he, Bart seemed to emphasize that a few times. I'd be curious to pull that thread a little bit in camp to, to see how that goes. I think that's just another factor to put in there. I think Jordan Slaughter probably would have started some games. Last year, given Jarosati struggles, Bedovanak struggled a little bit early on. Given his size, he's six five, you know, three twenty, something like that. Um, he was the starting group all all spring ball. Now Pearl wasn't in there sometimes. Chrysler got some starting snaps. Isaiah Adams got some starting snaps. Slaughter did snap a little at center, which really interests me. If Pilstrom struggles, could Slaughter be? I'm not sure. Uh, if he's capable of doing that, given that he hasn't played much, but he's a fifth year guy now. Uh, and last year was a missed opportunity for him. You know, he's going to be hungry. 
Bart Miller's talked about he had the same injury when he was a college player, take some time to get confidence that it's not going to happen again. So he said the best thing that happened to slaughter early in training camp or spring training um, spring practice was that he got rolled up on again. Right. And that, Oh, I'm going to be fine after this. I think that was really important for him, but I think he's going to have to battle for a starting spot with, with Chrysler, with Adams. I, I don't think it's going to be handed to him, um, but I, I do think he would have started games last year, but an injury can change a guy. So um, again, I don't know because we don't get to see a lot of practice, but he is in the competition. He's certainly one of the top six offensive linemen on this team. Yeah. I mean, I, in my mind, I think he, like I would put him as, the same way we described described DeVito, maybe on the inside track to be one of the two starting guards. I'm also beyond fascinated to see what Chrysler looks like after summer strength and conditioning with Tank Wright and to see how that how he continues to develop because he is an impressive, impressive looking gentleman, man. He he's a big guy. Well, that gets into question number four. Perfect transition, Joe. You're getting good at this. Would Juco transfers, Isaiah Adams and Zai Chrysler, start right away? I think Adams will. I mean, I think that seems to be a pretty, in my mind, like he's a favorite to be a, one of the guards. I don't, I don't even, I can't think of which guard he uh, played at in the spring game, but I, I think he will. And I think you look at the other guard spot and it, in my mind, it comes down to Jordan Slaughter and Zy Chrysler. And I think Chrysler is going to have a chance. And again, I'm really eager to see physically what he looks like from afar for 15 minutes when training camp opens. Yeah. The spring game was a little different, right? Because Pearl wasn't playing. So Adams was mostly at left tackle. Slaughter was at guard. Pilstrom centers, Zai Chrysler at right guard. Alex Pocheski at right tackle. Adams took a lot of snaps at guard um, though. And I think that's where he would start, but you know, he and Pearl can play tackle. Palcheski can move on the inside, talk about the positional versatility. But yeah, I think there's like a 90% chance Isaiah Adams is a starter. And that might be lowballing it a little bit. Um, he came in a little undersized, probably for the Big Ten, but he he could gain weight easily and he did. It sounds like he was pretty good right away. One of the top Juco offensive line prospects. I thought he was a monster get for them given the need on the offensive line. So I think he'd be a solid starter year one. I think Illinois would love that. Chrysler is really interesting, isn't he? I mean, 6'6", 350 pounds. And during the spring game, which is our first real glimpse at him, kid can move for such a big guy. He's going he's, to I mean, his second year. I think he was a Juco steal for them. Most of the schools thought he wasn't going to be able to transfer in right away, that he wasn't um, a qualifier after just one semester. Illinois did, and they made sure they kept that quiet and got him locked down because there are a lot of SEC schools who are very interested in Zy Chrysler. So that tells you about the talent level. Needs to get in better shape, right? He needs to get in better shape, cut some weight. Sounds like he's doing that, like he's got a great work ethic uh, to do. And certainly it's different eating working out at a big 10 program strength and conditioning program than a juco program joey but very talented very talented. i I think this guy's got potential to be a very good one down the road and potentially push jordan slaughter for a starting guard spot right away because um i remember there was a moment in that spring game where he pulled and in space just clobbered some, I can't remember the poor soul that he dove into the ground. I think it was a fret. I think it was Malachi hood. Now that I'm thinking about it. And it was just like, okay, 
Yeah, that's what it looks like. It's just, it's probably going to take some time to clean up some things, right? To, to trim down his weight, get the fundamentals right. But the talent level certainly is there. Is Mike Chrysler pulling going to be the most fun thing to watch on the offensive line? <laughs> Maybe this year or, or next year? Like, they, I'm, like, I'm glad you said that because I remember watching him and it was kind of like, it felt like it was in slow motion a little bit. And he just mauled me. Like, it was a pretty fun thing to watch, to be honest. Yeah, and I'm just looking back at some of my tweets about him. Tank Wright said in March that Chris had already lost 18 pounds. But he was like 370 when, when he got to right. So he's still got a ways to go. Those are no doubt two of the top six offensive linemen on the team, which is why those additions were so big, because it just meant a lot for the starting group, but also the depth of the group. All right, speaking of depth, Joey, which depth piece intrigues you the most going into this year? Maybe not a guy who starts now, uh, but might have to play at some point this season and certainly uh, could play a big role in the coming years. I think Josh Cruz, like feels like an easy one because I feel like we've said that for a while with him because obviously his lineage. But Zach Barlow, man, like he, I, I just keep thinking that he was kind of not and let's be honest, the 2020, 2021 class probably left some to be desired as a whole at, at Illinois. And he wasn't really like the highlight of that class. But man, getting in there in the barge, getting his feet wet a little bit last year, he's an intriguing piece because he could go in there at guard and play. And I, it's just, I think, I, he I think, Jeremy, that matters. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I think Zach Barlow, like we were trying to think of who could play center. I wonder if he gets any center snaps. He's a big physical dude. Yeah. Cruz is really interesting because obviously his background, he's undersized, just like his dad, just like Doug Kramer, but he's, he's a little smaller than Kramer too. So uh, I think he's strictly a center, not as positionally versatile as some of these other pieces. That's why Dylan Davis, right? Like once they added Dylan Davis, who's going to compete at center, uh, and potentially be depth at guard. This guy started two games at Furman, right? But he's a backup entering last year. But Illinois must have saw something, right? He's a former teammate of Sidney Brown and Chase Brown down at their high school down in Bradenton, Florida, not IMG Academy, but uh, St. Episcopal, um, St. Stephen's Episcopal, I think. And, and they they must like something. He was a three-star defensive line recruit, had a couple Power Five offers, but they see something they really like. So be interesting to watch him. I'm with, I'm with the Barlow, and I, I do think Josh Geske is interesting because he he added so much weight. He's good with diabetes, but so it was a concern of like how he could add weight, do it while keeping his diabetes in control. And he got a lot bigger. I don't think he's a guy who makes an impact this year. I think Hunter Whitenack can certainly push for a two deep spot. We'll talk about him here in a moment, but I, I do think Barlev Davis outside of the top seven veterans. We're talking about Pilstrom, Palcheski, Pearl, Slaughter, Adams, Chrysler. Um, I, I think those guys are really intriguing to give depth behind Pilstrom or is it just Slaughter moves inside to center? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's going to be hard to dethrone Pilstrom, but that's also assuming Pilstrom plays well, right? But yeah, I, I think, Jeremy, to your point, there's a pretty clear top eight or nine of this group. Like, that's the thing I, I almost know for sure is who's in that top eight, I guess nine, if you want to throw Crutes in there uh, or Davis. But that's, that's enough to get you by, you would hope, in a Big Ten season. And again, we haven't said that for a while. 
All right, Joey, last question for the offensive line. What do you think of this incoming freshman class? There's a lot of them. <laughs> there's a lot, a lot of them. But I think, you know, you, there's a couple guys like uh, Mountain Smaller is going to be a, a development guy. I don't think that's a hot take. It's going to be physically a lot to do there. Clayton uh, Leonard is going to be a development guy. I think you look at a Hunter Whiteneck. He could be, and he could push for a spot in the two deep. Like he, when we talk about like, oh, Barlow traveled last year. If we get the first travel roster in Bloomington and Hunter Whitenecks on there, I probably wouldn't fall out of my chair uh, in the press box. Uh, Matt Fry, I don't, uh, if, you know, another probably a development guy. And then you look like Joey Okla. Maybe it's because he always picked up the phone when we needed something to call. But I, I did see, I went up to see him at, at Arrowhead. There's a lot of just that Allegretti leadership to him. And TJ McMillan, by the way, is going to push him in the 23 class on, on the uh, torchbearer for that. But I, I like it. I mean, I, five guys, like that, that told me a lot, right? I mean, you, you won, did you, you won a power five battle for fries, correct? Mm -hmm. But you got Okla and White Neck on board early, Leonard on board early. And Moeller took some visits uh, on his tour day, United States when, when he came over, but I, I really, I, we'll see, but you got a lot of, a lot of replenishing there. Yeah. I think Joey Oko is a fir perfect first guy for the class offensive line leader, physical, you said Allegretti certainly has some of those traits. He reminds me a lot of Joe Spencer. Uh, if you want to go even back, another offensive line group has that kind of personality. Joe's a couple time captain as well. White neck man is as impressive looking as they come. Like he looks like he's been bailing a over in Indiana. That's how he got strong. Um, just he's he's got the look. He's got kind of a butt kiss face to him. Um, so he just has the look of, of what you want. And I think he's physically ready. Right. Like a lot of these guys aren't physically ready. Like Mountain Moeller is not physically ready. He's got to add strength. Clayton Leonard's has to continue to add strength. But we heard good positive things out of Clayton Leonard during summer workouts. Matt Fry's good bloodlines. His brother Will was a star at Penn State, drafted by the Colts, still playing with the Colts. Uh, so I think there were some some good wins here. I think Oka would have gotten more offers. White neck. We have to consider Cincinnati a big offer now, don't we? <laughs> I think we have to consider that a big offer now. Um, Fry's had multiple power five offers and Moeller had Louisville uh, was another power five offer that he had. So I think it's a solid foundational group. I think Oakland white neck are the guys who have the chance to travel, right? I, I think those are the guys that could be the 10th, 11th offensive lineman that could travel maybe play a couple games before they, you know, have to burn a red shirt. Um, I think those are the two guys who can make an impact early on in their careers as well. Maybe as red shirt freshmen or red shirt sophomores. I agree. Okay. So we're talking about travel and obviously I thought Barlow and Barge. Will we see the Barge, Jeremy? Or has the Barge been, has that been docked away? It worked for one game. Um, I think you'll see it. I think you'll see it, Joey, potentially in certain things. I don't think you'll see it for what? How many snaps was it? 26? I think it's 26 snaps against Penn State who couldn't figure it out. They couldn't, they couldn't figure out. There's seven offensive lines. What do we do? Oh, you load the box. Like there were some questionable decisions against Illinois last year. Like Scott Frost, not knowing that Illinois could have a four man defensive front and then Penn state and James Franklin, not knowing what to do 
when there are seven offensive linemen in the game. You might want to take out a safety or at least roll them up to the box eventually. Yeah, Sutter tried that, and Tip Ryan found himself in the end zone. That's true. I, though that's what you got to have. I don't, I don't, you gotta have I don't think you're going to see it a lot. I don't think you're going to see it like you saw it against Penn State. I just wonder, like, at what point was would someone go up to Barry Lonnie and say, hey, I know you watch games, but we would be interested in, in bringing this barge back out. And I just wonder what he would think. And not that I think he would tell him to get lost. Uh, I, I just wonder if that's something you'll see. All right. So just to reset for people who want to do this, like we do it in our position prime where we have a projected depth chart, right? And uh, we've been doing those throughout, uh, you know, if you're a visual person, you can see it easily uh, rather than the audio here. But if you're really trying to think of what the starting offensive line group looks like week one, I'm not sure exactly what it'll look like, Joey, because again, we, we don't know how this will play out with the competition, uh, what the best five will be, but the positional versatility is nice in that regard. But you had your starters at left tackle, Julian Pearl, left guard, Jordan Slaughter, center, Alex Postrom, right guard, Isaiah Adams, right tackle, Alex Pachewski. I would probably have the same thing with the sixth guy potentially being Zy Chrysler. Chrysler can replace potentially Slaughter. I don't think Adams. I think it's probably a Chrysler slash Slaughter competition during training camp. And then Barlev, Davis, Krutz, kind of your next guys in line on the 2D. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that's, and then everybody else is, let's be honest, you're in the big pen. You hope you don't have to get yep. to true freshmen at this point. Absolutely. I, I think, Joey, if you have a middle of the pack offensive line, you feel pretty good given all the uncertainty and experience you have, but you do have talent with Pauchesky and Pearl guys who I think are on NFL radars. Um, and then I think Adams and Chrysler are, are both very talented. Pilstrom's got some experience. Slaughter's kind of an unknown though, too, right? Despite being a fifth year guy, he had a start, I believe two years ago. Um, but other than that, we don't, we haven't seen him a lot. I think he started that last game of the year with Rod Smith as the head coach against Penn state. That's about all we've seen from him, but he's still a guy who's got some experience at least with this staff and obviously just in college football in general practicing. Yeah. And I think it's also, we should point out, uh, we had heard some buzz over the course of spring and summer. And then Brett Bielma told Phil Steele and Phil Steele's magazine, like they're they think this group is going to be fine. And I don't get the sense that that's just summertime speak. Like I didn't get, I don't think you and I, Jeremy, at any point, and that was backed up when Phil Steele's magazine came out, got the hint that like there was much concern here. Like they feel pretty confident. I, I think if we were to tell them exactly what we said, like I think there's reason to say, well, we just don't know about a couple of these positions. Let us into camp. We might know more. But like I, there is, for whatever it's worth, some optimism there. Yeah, to be honest with you, this was like one of my biggest concerns heading into January, right? And then they they and they got maybe December, right after the season, and then they got Adams, then they got Chrysler, then Palchewski came back, and I think you know adding Dylan Davis gives you a little depth. He's an unknown certainly, but at least gives you somebody who's got some Division One experience. Um, I think you feel better about this group. I think the floor has certainly been raised of this group. And I think the ceiling could be higher as, as a total, Joey, if, you know, Adams is really good, if Chrysler is really good, if Pilstrom's a solid starting center, right? Like, I think they feel better about the talent level of this group. I just think it's going to go through some growing pains 
early on in the season. And there are some very important games early on in the season, Indiana being a huge one on the road. Certainly it's not, it's not as bad as having say Wisconsin in week two, I think playing Indiana is a little bit easier than that. And uh, maybe a way of getting your feet wet in, in big 10 play and still having some success. But I think this is a group that could have some, some issues uh, early on, but ultimately could have a higher ceiling potentially than, than last year's group because it's a bigger, maybe more talented group. It's just inexperienced. Um, and Kramer and Lowe were just so good for so long. That's hard to see the group being better from the outside. It's really hard to see that from our perspective, but as you said, there seems to be some confidence from the staff. Dude, that's exactly what I was going to say is it's hard for me to sit here without, with only having a spring game really worth of visuals to say, I think this group is going to be better with Vidarian Lowe and Doug Kramer now in the NFL. Correct. Like it's just, it's just really hard for me to wrap my head around now, maybe come October 1st, I won't feel that way, but until I see some football games or something that looks like football beyond the spring game, where it's the starters against your second thirds and development guys, it's hard. Like it's just understandably hard to go all in on that line of thinking, but it does feel better than what it did in December. All right, right. I, I think no, that's no doubt. very fair to say. All right, that wraps up our offensive line position preview. Hope you're enjoying all of these, and you can play them whenever the heck you want as you get ready for the season. Uh, we'll be back with starting on the flip. We're flipping over to the defensive side here, Joey, a group that was so good last year under Ryan Walters, uh, but certainly has a lot of turnover there. So thank you, as always, for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Check us out on our YouTube page as well. Just search Illini Inquirer. Follow us, rate us, and re review us wherever you get your podcast and we appreciate you listening take care of each other we'll talk to you next time right here on the on inquire podcast Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.